people take democracy for granted and democracy is not granted, it's not given. You have to get involved, you have to participate. And I think it's so important that women are participating more and more in politics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to IWF Game Changers, a monthly conversation with some of the trailblazing members of the International Women's Forum. I'm Ann Doyle. Let's talk about life in leadership. Today's guest is Mexican diplomat and IWF member, the Honorable Roberta Lejeune whose distinguished 40-year foreign service career has included major assignments with the United Nations and serving as Mexico's ambassador to multiple countries, Austria, Bolivia, Cuba, and most recently, Spain. She is also the author of a widely read book on the history of Mexican foreign policy. And today, in addition to her diplomatic responsibilities, she is helping to develop the next generation of Mexican diplomats. Bienvenidos, Roberta. Thank you so much, and It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and it's a pleasure to reach out to our fellow IWF members. And I believe you're coming to us from Mexico City. Is that where you are right now? Exactly. I am in Mexico City. I'm back home. I have served also as president of the Mexican chapter of IWF. And from here, I'm doing a lot of academic work at this moment. Well, here in the United States, we just celebrated two national holidays related to freedom, the 4th of July and Juneteenth, which commemorates the end of slavery. Plus, France is also celebrating Bastille Day this month. So you are really the perfect IWF member to talk to us about the importance of democracy. So can I assume, based on your career, that you believe that democracy is an important and and very positive form of government? Sure. Uh, I agree with Winston Churchill that democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others that we have been that have been tried. (laughs) Well, can you give us some examples maybe of uh, what is it about democracy that despite all its flaws makes it, let's say, the best form we have going right now? Well, it is certainly the only form of government where human rights are respected. And we have a very clear historical record on that. And after World War II, uh, countries have agreed, have signed most countries on, uh, the hu- on, on a pact of United Nations Pact on Human Rights after 1948. And since then, democracy is really the only acceptable form of government that we all aim at. Well, what do you see then as the greatest threat to democracy in the world today? Mainly inequality. I think that uh, globalization is a great thing. I think that it has brought the world together closer. I think it has made the economy much more efficient, but because mainly of that efficiency, the the gap between those who have and those who have not, and the gap in income has risen. 
giving way to a greater polarization of society and therefore endangering democracy. You know, for many, many years, maybe decades, the United States has been seen around the world as maybe the shining light of democracy. But we're even being challenged, our form of government being challenged right now inside our own country. I know the world witnessed the attack on our capital on January 6th. Were you watching that? And what do you feel is the impact of that in terms of how the United States is viewed around the world today? Well, yes, it was very unfortunate. And I think that it was watched all over the world. I was sitting there watching uh, on CNN what was going on. And as I think millions of people all over the globe, and it was very worrisome because the United States has been an example for us in democracy and uh, its institutions, its way of life, its uh, proclaim about equality among all human beings. And to think that the U.S. Capitol was under attack and that that could go unpunished is, is very worrisome for the rest of the world. What do you think are maybe some lessons that we can learn from, from witnessing that? Or perhaps maybe what we as women leaders in the world uh, can do to help protect democracy? We have to be aware and we have to work to keep our democracies alive and safe. People take democracy for granted and democracy is not granted, it's not given. You have to get involved, you have to participate. And I think it's so important that women are participating more and more in politics. Well, you certainly have worked with women leaders uh, in multiple cultures all around the world. I'm curious about what you've observed in terms of women's leadership style. Well, first of all, I have witnessed throughout my, my personal career tremendous change from the time I started my career in the Foreign Service to today. It's another world, and we, we have to be conscious of that because we have to keep it going. And yes, I certainly feel that women have different approach. I definitely think that women are more down to earth for the simple reasons that they have to take care of not only their job, but keeping the home going on. And usually you are the ones responsible for shopping and cooking and caring for the younger and for the elder, and therefore are more in touch with the real issues. And also, I think that women tend to be more cooperative, better team workers, because they know, we know that if you don't work with others, it's very difficult to, to, to get your job done. Is it true that women, ambitious women and women leaders pretty much face the same challenges all over the world, regardless of the culture? Certainly. Certainly. I mean, breaking the glass ceiling is universal. And you were, it's surprising sometimes societies that you think are more advanced, that it's embedded the difficulties. I remember my first embassy was in, in Austria and I thought, well, I'm going to Europe. I'm going to go to the most developed part of the world. I won't face the same obstacles that I have faced in Mexico in my career and it was not true. I found that European societies being more conservative, because that's the way they are, 
uh, found that uh, the role of a woman as ambassador was something very surprising and very difficult to understand. So I think that in the new world, in the American continent, in the Western hemisphere, well called the new world, new rules apply. And after all, women have, we are able to break barriers easier here in the new world. For most of my adult lifetime, women in the United States were seen as, you know, leading the, the advancement of women into the professions and into leadership. But my sense is that the United States is no longer leading the world in terms of how women are doing. Is that what you've observed? First of all, think of it. We are in the IWF, which has been a pioneer and a leader for women's opportunity, first in the United States and then has gone abroad to, to make this network of women global. That's what we aim at, and let's work on it, and we have that responsibility. But certainly there are other societies that have advanced for different reasons. I think, for instance, today, many European societies that have solved the problems of child take care uh, have given women better opportunities. For instance, in France, where school is from eight to five, is so much easier for women to take children to school and not to have to worry what happens while they are at work and the child leaves school at three o'clock or two o'clock. The social services offered in Europe have helped women more. Now, in Latin America, where we experience the worst inequality in the world. It's only superior in sub-Saharan Africa. There are advantages and disadvantages. Women who are professional, women who have a university education, who have a high income, always have other women to take care of their children and of their elders and of their cooking and of their housework responsibilities. And that has allowed us to further our careers. And how are women in Mexico doing? I mean, what, what, are, what are the hot topics there and what is the progress that you have witnessed? Well, I have witnessed enormous pro progress. For instance, today, half of the members of Congress are women. That's something astounding, thanks to a law that promotes equality in the nomination and in the electoral process. That's incredible. So in politics, is probably where women are more advanced. Uh, women are a very important part of the working force, but there's still, it's difficult to find a woman CEO of, or the woman president of a bank or a major institution. Uh, you can see women in the arts, women in academics, but there's still a long way to go to see, even in the boardroom, enough women. Even uh, when you put on the television that uh, you would see the same number of men or women in talking shows. And we are experiencing a crisis of what we call feminicidios, which is the amount of women that are being murdered because oh. being a woman, that they are either murdered by their own partner or husband or that are murdered in, uh, because they are young and beautiful and nobody cares for them in the street and they are murdered as a reprisal. And 
probably the crisis is there because we have started measuring before we didn't measure, you know, it was just mm -hmm. part of the murders of the general violence. Mm -hmm. But uh, because women have pushed to have a special measure about why women are, are killed and the violence uh, that women are victims. Now we are very conscious about it. And I have been extremely pleased to see that on Women's Day, we celebrate uh, the 8th of March as Women's Day in Mexico and many parts of the world. A greater amount of young women go out to the street to protest and to create awareness of uh, feminicidios. And uh, I think this is very positive. What's your biggest message to them, this next generation of women? Don't let them mess with you. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can mess around with you. Be strong, be assertive. You, it's your right. Be determined. Focus on your career. Don't think that you are not going to be feminine because you pursue a career. That's fantastic. Clearly, you had from a very young age clarity in your own life of your interest in, um, in foreign relations and international affairs. Obviously, you studied that in your undergraduate. You continued studying that in your graduate work at Stanford. Take us back to that young girl, that young Roberta. And um, is there something that you remember in terms of a person or an experience that really triggered uh, your interest in what has become a lifelong passion? Yes, certainly. I think the arrival of the Cold War to our continent and uh, was, was determined me. I mean, I was born in 1954, which was the year of the coup d'etat in Guatemala that was the first political event in this hemisphere that marked the beginning of the Cold War. But especially what was, I think, very shocking to my personal experience and probably to yours also was the Cuban Missile Crisis. The idea that our lives were endangered because of the establishment of a communist regime in the Americas and that there were weapons of mass destruction in Cuba, in our vicinity, in our neighborhood, in our neighboring country, was, was very shocking. And uh, I remember Cuban girls arriving to my school. I went to an all-girls school. It was very shocking to see Cuban girls of the same uh, social milieu I belong to arriving with nothing to my country because everything had been taken away from them by communist regime. I didn't understand as a young girl what was going on. I saw my father and my mother being very worried about it. And that, that sparked your interest. Uh, I know that you came from fantastic parents, obviously. You're one of four children. But I have to mention that your older sister, Luth, was the first non-American president of the International Women's Forum globally. What impact did it have on you looking to an ambitious, capable, brilliant older sister like that uh, as you started imagining your own life? Well, it was such an advantage to have a sister with such a strong personality, so charismatic, and she herself so determined to open her way and have a career of her own when it was not uh, 
uh, normal for a middle-class woman in Mexico to attend university and to want to have her own career and not just to think when and how to get married or to land the, the right husband. What is your message to the next generation of diplomats and people who care deeply about what's going on in the world and how we are all interdependent on one another. I think the greatest lesson that we have all had is this pandemic that has affected all of us in terms of reminding us that uh, we are all in this together. Certainly. But unfortunately, I think Latin America has been the hardest hit region of the world by the pandemic. And uh, we have an uncertain future ahead of us into how we are going to regain economic growth, how we are going to overcome this uh, uh, difference that we have in income, in opportunities of education, There are areas in Latin America that are now experiencing uh, food insecurity, which had not been the case for many years. There's a crisis in Central America of food. There's a migration crisis in in Central America, especially in the Triangle of the North, in Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras. Uh, Yesterday, the president of Haiti was assassinated. The Caribbean is undergoing a tremendous debt problem because the lack of tourism during the pandemic and which was the major source of income for the Caribbean. There's a democratic crisis in Nicaragua. I mean, there's the crisis of uh, the political institutions as there is in Venezuela and to a large extent in Cuba. So uh, it's, it's, Difficult time for Latin America. And uh, I think that it's very important that we as diplomats take into account the importance of preserving human rights because that's the core issue about uh, a healthy society. It's democracy and human rights. And it's very difficult to preserve those very cherished values in the event of this economic crisis that we have experienced because of the pandemic and uh, and the difficulty to recover when not all countries have access to the vaccine. So it's very important that the countries that have been able to get vaccinated and are finishing that process donate vaccine to those countries that have not had access yet. Well, you've given us plenty to think about in terms of uh, democracy and of why we cannot take it for granted, as well as the many, many challenges facing us right now. Would you leave us with a few examples or suggestions of things that we can do as leaders to help encourage more women in leadership, which I know you believe in, and also to um, help address these challenges I would recommend uh, the audience to read a book by two Harvard professors. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, How Democracy Dies by Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Sieblatt. These are two very accomplished Harvard professors who have been observing the failure of democracy, one in Latin America and the other one in Europe. And then they have now turned to look at the U.S. and what's going on in the U.S. and the difficulties the the U.S. is experiencing. And I think 
we as women and women in position of leadership have to make conscious, to have more awareness of that, that democracy can be imperial in the whole continent if we are not cautious, if we don't in, engage to support the democratic institutions. Additionally, when it comes to the to, to our new world, to our Western Hemisphere, something else has come to the surface, and that is the, the question of race. We are mixed societies by definition. There were indigenous people in this continent when the Europeans came. Then there was the problem of slavery, that the people were forced. They didn't come on by their own will, forced to emigrate or were brought from Africa, uh, the black population, that we have black population in all countries of the Americas, more or less. So sometimes it's forgotten. Mexico has a very important African heritage. And we have to take it into account to understand these differences in our society, difference of opportunity, differences of income, and difference in hierarchy. And the strengths that those differences bring. Yes, the, the, the diversity can be a source of strength and of richness, but we have to allow the people from the different origin, from the diverse origin to really have the same opportunities. Thank you, ambassador, historian, educator, and former president of IWF Mexico, Roberta Lejeune. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you for the many, many, many decades of work that you have done to help lift the world and tap into the diversity and the strength of human beings everywhere and that you're continuing to do. So thank you so much for joining us from Mexico City. Thank you so much, Anne. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of Game Changers. We hope you'll join us again as we talk about life in leadership. I'm Ann Doyle.